welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. One way or the other, you're listening to us at that link. You may have come through our homepage, www.centerlefttalkradio.com. There are two links there, the first being our podcast feed. That's pretty much the standard way people get there podcasts these days. We are a podcast after all. Um, The second link though is the radio loop and it is as it sounds the uh, it's a recording online of this show in a loop and you pick it up at whatever point in the recording that you happen to uh, hit the link much as you would as if you were turning on a radio and picking up a show at whatever point it happened to be. The difference here being that if you get, and presumably you are going to get interested in what you're hearing with us, well, stay to the end and the show starts immediately again like a Saturday afternoon thriller at the Burke Theater with triple monster movies showing that day. End one, the next starts and it keeps going and going so that mom has a babysitter for as long as she needs it, maybe for all of 25 cents. Ah, I drift way into my foggy past with that one. In any event, it is the 2nd of June, uh, significant in, in, in that it is three days from the 5th of June, and Janice Yellen had told us that the 5th of June was the day on which the U.S. would begin or would have to begin defaulting in the payment, not of its, of its, of, of not having to stop buying new stuff, that would be bad enough, but it could no longer pay for the stuff it had already purchased. The, the, uh, the intractable debt ceiling issue that seems to have been haunting us for months, if not since the very, very beginning of the Biden presidency, the, the promised uh, hellishness that would happen eventually if and when the Republicans got control of the House in the midterm, and lo and behold, uh, that's what this was all about. Not being allowed, the government being forced to not pay its debts until the most radical elements, the most extreme elements within the Republican Party were able to get whatever the hell it was that they wanted. Now, now they, 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 had, they had some sense of, of what that sort of power felt like because, as you'll recall, uh, beginning uh, with this term of the Congress, this, this particular Congress, beginning in January of this year, 2023, after the Republicans barely by three or was it four seats uh, took control of the House of Representatives uh, at a time when they should have won by 60, but they got it by three or four, they then began the spectacle of electing a speaker. And 15, count them, 15 votes later, after the, uh, the, 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 the presumed winner, or the, or the guy who seemed to have wanted it more than anyone else, uh, we're talking about McCarthy here, Kevin McCarthy, uh, after he made deals with every extreme element within his party, gave away everything he could give away. And I, I've repeated this on several occasions. I was, I was amazed by it. Matt Getz, one of the crazy among the crazies, you know, out there with uh, the, uh, the greens of the world and all that, um, basically said, well, there was nothing else for him to give away. 
and and he basically uh, promised every every bit of power to the most extreme elements gave gave uh, committee chairmanships to the most outrageous of the outrageous did everything he had to do to put himself in a position of power leaving leaving the notion the imagery leaving the rest of us to to conclude rightfully i mean i don't know how else you conclude that uh, the uh, the patients were running the asylum that the the house of representatives had been turned into a into a big long standing punchline to a joke to, it, it was a tribute to everything that americans refused to accept or 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 basically from from a polling perspective everything that americans no longer trusted about American government, soon to be followed by the Supreme Court, uh, and of course, with all sorts of uh, of um, uh, the residual negativity being directed towards the executive branch, and then with Donald, you know, claiming he was jumping back in again as the indictments or the or the or the probability of indictments begin to jump up, and the language of everything is always in the extreme. The language is in take it all down, burn it down. The language is about this is the last opportunity we have to take back our country. This is what the extreme wing of the Republican Party tells us again and again, and 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 the media keeps directing us to that extreme wing and everything they say, and and it keeps giving us flashes and glimpses of the most extreme of the extreme people around the country willing to do everything. And we are whipped up and have been whipped into this belief, this frenzy of the place is coming apart at the seams. Now, there is some reality. There's lots of reality to this. Just, just on the basis of understanding what a Jeffersonian-Madisonian democracy is, it is a structure with a self-destruct button that is always flashing and always at the ready. You can destroy a functional democracy any damn time you want by ignoring one simple reality. Very simple reality. And that is that no one ever gets everything that in a representative, bicameral, multi-party system with a three-part checks and balances system uh, substrate in there running the whole thing, no one party, no one individual can ever get everything. Once someone does or can or begins to operate under the obvious premise that they can at will get everything, then the democracy, by definition, stops functioning because it will be in defiance of, totally contradictory to, the basic tenets of the document, the Constitution, and the norms and procedures and traditions that it relies on to self-sustain. The elections will no longer be meaningful. Uh, uh, the, the, the apparent uh, civility or the, the rules of decorum that exist within the House and the Senate and the mechanisms that involve getting a bill passed and everything that goes with that and, 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 the, and the debate over budgets and, and the questions surrounding uh, military deployments and everything and the various committees that oversee and, and the way one branch oversees the other and the checks and the, will be meaningless if it is apparent that no matter what we do, one person or one side or one group is gonna get everything they want. It obviates both the, the structural uh, procedures and the, the necessity of having a 
a democratic constitutional structure. Who cares? One group's going to win it all no matter what we do. And, and, and that's what we've been led to believe. This is the world that we've been uh, exposed to, uh, convinced of continually uh, by media, by people within this world, that we're out to get it all. The, the extreme elements of the Republican Party would have us believe that by sheer dint of their yelling, screaming, grievancing, bellyaching, threatening to take the whole thing down, we have no choice. The country has no choice but to give them what they want. Because if we don't, well, they're going to take the place down anyway. So we may as well simply surrender to them. And of course, if you gave these people what they want, they wouldn't know what to do with it anyway, because their primary stock in trade, their primary, their, their, the product that they put out is their own grievance. Solution and governance and functionality is not within the mindset. The primary thing is grievance. And I mean, I, I, I find this perfectly encapsulated by the existence of, coming, of something called the House Weaponization of Government Subcommittee. What the hell is that? I mean, it begins with the assumption that basically there is A, bad faith, and B, straight-out nefarious behavior that is infecting the cross-currents between various branches of government, and this entity is out there to uncover all of the bad. It, it, it begins from a totally negative perspective. It presumes they're out to get me, therefore I must get back at them. And of course, what's his name? Johnson, the, the, the coatless one, the, 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 the ultimate bomb thrower is out there throwing. It, it's that kind of world. And in that world, what is probably most unimaginable would be that as a as a subcurrent as as a as a under the radar function the other world the one that most of us grew up in a pre-trump era the one that we that the, the the government of the united states that got things done that didn't threaten its own, that didn't hold a gun to its own head and say don't make me use this as a normal part of the process of quasi governance that that memory that distant dark memory was somehow extant and more than just extant that it was somehow despite everything we're watching and seeing on a day-to-day -day basis, that it was, dare I even suggest, functional. But, but how? Where? Where? Well, who, who, who was the, who was the, uh, who would embody, who was the, who, who was even t bothering to try to let people think that there was something like bipartisanship still still at play somewhere down there that there was that that you could actually get things done uh, without having to resort to grievance and rabble rousing quite literally and tossing bloody bloody chunks of of flesh at uh, at, at, at at whosever base it was primarily the right and and getting them to to yell and scream and and get them fearful and make them have to buy more um, automatic weapons and keep the and keep the country on edge and drive the world crazy and threaten the existence of NATO you could actually do something that had a sense of the traditional America about it, that, that had to be based, that would be based 
in bipartisanship. And, and more importantly than that, that it would depend on that ancient, ancient notion, that ancient practice, that, that ancient underpinning, the early 20th, early 20th century notion, the, the Teddy Roosevelt era concept of, wait for the word, yeah, progressivism. A quick little walk through history. What is progressivism? We said it on the last show. I'll say it again on this one. And, you, and if you've been keeping track of the news, you know where I'm going with this. Progressivism. We both, you and I, if, if, we're, if we're functioning in a two-party system, and let's just talk about the national government for a moment, we have differences of opinion. Republican and Democrat. Uh, it might have been Whigs, it might have been Tory, it might have been, it might have been federal, what, what, whatever the parties were at the time. Actually, there were no political parties at the very beginning of our country. That's another story. We're not going to go there now. But right now, and let's say at the beginning of, at the Roosevelt era, at the Teddy Roosevelt era, we've got big differences. We, we have differences about how immigration should work. We have differences about how national, how about national resources should, should be handled. We have all sorts of differences. We also recognize that we are in a structure, we, we have a democratic structure that basically we must use if we're going to preserve the country. And the way we use it is to recognize that we don't share perfectly uh, consonant opinions about political topics with one another. We, we have two parties. We have two different ways of looking at things. But we have, as part of our obligation as elected officials, the need to effectively govern the country, and that means being able to resolve our differences as opposed to trying to force our will on the other side and destroying any possibility that they might be able to do what they claim they have a right to do. In other words, we'd have to compromise. Compromise, ah. We do that by recognizing that both sides have valid points provided, provided those points rest in a good faith, a good faith understanding of what would be best for the country and for the people represented by a particular group. But it must be good faith. It can't just be to basically tear the country down. It must be done, those positions must be achieved with a good faith intention to better the country for everyone. It can't be to carve out the country just for my people. In the end, there must always be this notion that there must be a country there for everyone. After a civil war and all sorts of kingships that, every, that we've gone through as part of our development to get to the point where we are right now, a realization has come upon us or did come upon us and was especially well stated in the early 20th century in the notion that progressivism, understanding that we both have valid points, understanding that we have to reach compromise, but understanding that we can't do that by destroying the country, so that we're going to have a forum, we'll discuss what the forum, it will decide where we're going to fight this out, we're going to sit down in that forum and we're going to fight our brains out. We'll yell and scream and bitch and moan and there might be theatrics and everything else. But we know, here's what we know in advance, that neither side will get everything. That there's going to have to be some give because if one side knows in advance or has the ability to get everything, the system automatically collapses. 
That's simply a fact. There's no need for any of the levers, no need for any of the structures. There's no need for a democracy. There's no need for voting. There's no need for anything. If I know I could get whatever I want simply by, 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 by sheer force, by fear, by whatever the hell mechanism outside of the structural defined levers of government that are there within our democracy, within the checks and balances. If I know this, then there's no need for a democratic, and I don't mean in the political sense, in a, in a Jeffersonian democracy, just no need for it. And that's, that's a decision. Like I say, the, the self-destruct button is always there, always primed, always a possible choice within a Jeffersonian democracy. Now, our, our Republican uh, <laughs> cohorts, I, I don't know, the, the Republicans, the radical right, had us, would have us believe, and, and Donald Trump was leading the charge in this, that, you know, sooner or later, we're just going to have to default here. It, let, let's, let's just get it over with. So we're just going to default. What the hell? Just do it. Be done. It's the only way we're going to get things done and get things done correctly. This was the spoken position of Donald Trump as recently as a week ago. And that was after months and months of protracted negotiations that seemed to be going every, nowhere. And the common wisdom seemed to be that we were going to unthinkably barrel towards default. Default meaning that checks uh, for, for Social Security and Medicare would suddenly dry up because there'd be no money. Legally, they couldn't, they, the government couldn't print it. Our position in the world as the, as the currency, as the go-to currency of choice would be all but immediately destroyed. Our credit rating would be dropped down. The, the, the repercussions, the ripple effect throughout the world economy, much less the American economy, would be disastrous. And yet, we were supposed to believe, the, 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 the far-right extremists would have us believe that there was no choice, that nothing, nothing, there can be no compromise, we must have it our way, my way or the highway, with Donald leading the vocal charge as usual, looking for something to basically throw red meat for the base, give them some, just, just dig into it and, and, and get all the, the red smeary stuff on their cheeks as they shake their heads back and forth and, and, and try to rip everything from the bone as they're, as they're on, crouched on all fours, just, just going at it. Not knowing why or, or, or what exactly would, would come of it all, but just having the, the visceral sensation of taking it apart because they've been whipped to such a level of grievance that the only, I, don't, I, 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 I dare to use the word logical, next step is to take it apart. And it's just a question of waiting for what and how it will be taken apart. God forbid it ever were, because, well, you know, the, 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 losing our credit rating and, and not being able to handle our bills and not being able to take care of government programs and not being able to pay for our military. I mean, these things are real and would be beyond messy. It, it would be holding that gun to our head or certain members of our society holding a gun to their head and pulling the damn trigger. For what? But that's what we were believing because it was assumed there just ain't no way for us to return to progressivism. What do we call Students, listen to me. Listen up, please, please, please listen up. What is the subtitle of center-left radio? I say it on every show. I open and close with it. We are the progressive voice, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. I do not mean progressive, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. For the six-plus years we've been on air, I do not mean progressive in the sense of 
a particular branch of the Democratic Party, the furthest left branch of the, of the Democrat. No, I mean progressive in the pure early 20th century Teddy Roosevelt sense. Progressive in that I recognize and I hold as absolutely sacred the need to basically govern in a compromise mode to recognize that one side can't get all and to understand the components that go into exercising progressivism. A location, a recognition of both sides, a realization that there's validity, a, an acceptance that each side is doing what they're doing in good faith, out of, a, out of a good faith belief that this is good for the country. Now that's missing, I believe, with a good part of the, uh, of the Republican base right now. The, 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 grievance, uh, the, the grievance engine driving them has removed any realization of what it is the engine wants to produce. It doesn't produce anything it produces more grievance. It doesn't ultimately legislate in any positive way. It doesn't, it doesn't solve problems so that we get progressively better. We become a more perfect union. No, no, the Republican, the Republican base right now is dedicated to tearing it all down. And so, with that in mind, all we could imagine was hurtling closer and closer to uh, the debt ceiling limit and that the country was going to go under. What was happening in the middle of all this? A guy named Joe Biden, never getting bent out of shape, never getting crazy, never, never accusing the other side, never cursing them out, never, never, uh, never sounding like the loonies on the other side, never, never giving in to the extremes on any group, through a group of negotiators that were basically reporting back and forth to him. He kept himself out of the direct limelight on much of these negotiations. Gets to a point where there's a deal with, with, None other than Kevin McCarthy, who has to somehow bring that deal to the crazies in his own party. What happens? And yeah, granted, it took way too much time with far too much uh, histrionics, far too much theater. But when a vote was taken in the House two days ago, more than 300 of the 400, is it 465? What's the total number of 435? More than 300 Democratic and Republican Congress people voted for this. That, that, that means that if, let, let's assume that every, you, you had to have somewhere between 75 and 100, I think, I, I don't know what the exact number was, I have to check this out, Republicans broke ranks with the crazies, broke ranks with Trump, broke ranks with all of the, the red meters, the far right, the extremists within the, the chamber, broke ranks presumably with Kevin because Kevin was beholden to the crazies. But somehow this deal struck between Joe Biden in the end and Kevin McCarthy, two Irish politicians basically gets over 300 votes in the House and got yesterday, last, actually late last night, got, six, was it 64 votes in the Senate? It needed 60. It got 64 votes in the Senate. There were something like four Democrats voting against it and 34. Five, I think the number was Republicans. But you see, that still means that 15 Republicans voted for it. Okay? That, mean, that 15 gets past the supermajority requirement. 
So for all of the screaming, all of the Donald Trumpian, all of the death and destruction, all of the, this, this, this debt ceiling plus some budget element package gets passed in an absolutely bipartisan manner. The antithesis of what we are being told on the daily basis is the reality and the unavoidable reality of Washington and a, in a precursor, a, a statement of the inevitable failure of government which must come and therefore what the hell, let it fail anyway and let me, let me back in and I'll take over the power as much as I want, says Donald. Well, well that doesn't make sense. We, we just had a major piece of bipartisan legislation passed in, in contradiction to everything that we all hear day by day in the media, that we hear from the politicians themselves, primarily on the far right. And, and quite often uh, we hear in the fear that that elicits in the politicians on the left that we can't get anything done, this is all going to go to hell, we've got to, blah, 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 blah. We have at this point in our political existence, in this part of our national history, we have a choice. And by what has just happened in the la less than 24 hours, when the Senate finally approved this, was proof positive that as we sit here right now, the country does have a absolute down the middle, not down the it has a cl the clearest of clear-cut choices in the world between two old men, assuming that, that Biden and Trump will be the candidates for their respective parties. But here's the difference, and it's so simple, it's so obvious, it's so easy to basically explain this now, to market this as well. You have a wise old man versus a dirty old man. It's that simple. And this wise old man, quietly, without too much fanfare, with a belief in the system garnered over the course of 50 years in it, with a mature comprehension and knowledge of how the system works, how the players work, what the motivations are deep down, no matter what people say on the outside, a realization that there are mechanisms, a realization that progressivism will work because the alternative simply is unthinkable, and that presented with that, and with enough patience, and without the bravura and the bullshit of a Donald Trump, you can still do things in a bipartisan manner in Washington. And the country, more and more as today goes on, and as the weeks go on, will become more and more aware of this, and more and more aware that the crazies on the other side basically couldn't, they, when push came to shove, when the real big kahuna issue, we're gonna shut the place down if we don't get everything they wa we want, when that actually became possible, they caved. There's nothing, there's no there there. It's all talk. All there is is sustaining grievance. Because you see, if you take the place down, then there's nothing to have grievance about, nor is there a place to work. You see, if there's no elections, then why do you have Congress people? Where do you have, where, where do you put all the people who are yelling and screaming and setting their hair on fire day by day? Where do you put all the Congress people? Where do you put the senators? The system is really being used by these people, not real, yes, to take it down, at least on a verbal level, to, because, but, but on the level where it is a constant meal being fed to the base. The desire to destroy it, 
I, I don't know that that's any more realistic in their mind. The base may feel that way, some elements of the base, the, the most irresponsible elements of it, and understandably because that's how it's being sold. But in terms of what is their real strength, there ain't no there there. The real underlying strength of these people within the context of the governance system of the United States is non-existent. Yes, it will happen. It'll be manifested in various small ways. But the true underlying failure of this extremist position that has been adopted by Donald Trump and foisted on the so-called majority, the base of the Republican Party, has been shown for what it is, a vapid crock of shit. It's nothing. It ain't there. It's there in words. It's not there in strength. And it can be overcome readily. And it got overcome by an old, wise man facing down all of the crazies, not by yelling and screaming, but just by saying, hey, this is how we should be governing this country. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Trumpism has been shown for what it is. Bluster, bullshit, uselessness, constant grievance with no capacity to do, left on its own, can do a lot of damage. But when the simple exertion of progressivism is exerted, and exerted by a wise old man, that's all we got, by the way. Without Biden, we got nothing. And I'm talking to the country all over. I'm sorry. I know Republicans. I know members of my family hearing this. What are you? No. Without Joe Biden, we go under right now. Without Joe Biden, we would have had a debt ceiling crisis. And this all could have gone to hell in a big hurry because everybody would not know how to put the fire out on their hair. Without Joe Biden, we're in deep doo-doo. And that's why he will win in 2024. Oh, and Donald will take himself down via criminal activity and everything else in the process. And there's so much more we don't know just yet. We'll, we'll see that play out. But you've seen the ultimate statement of where, of where and how a wise old man will overcome a dirty old man every single time. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. And take faith. Take hope. We are the progressive voice. We here at Center Left Radio. The progressive voice of hope politics. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this would be a good time for a little jazz because David is coming on. David Bach will be here just after this break, so stay with us. And, of course, it being Friday. Time right now for... A little jazz.
Hi, this is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, Thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. Yes, it's still Friday. We're back, and being back means, well, why, why beat around the bush? David, what's on your mind? Uh, well, there's a good amount of things happening, so... Um, let's talk about the, the Trump stuff first. Well, so, talk about talk about where people can hear you first before we get there. Yeah, uh, you can hear me on Twitter at Faces Ideas New. Um, so he's got a couple things going on. One, yesterday he basically pretty much ended like 90% of uh, Ron DeSantis' campaign. He said, look, I, I, I don't like using the word woke because it doesn't mean anything that the people who use it don't know what it means, which he's correct. Because they basically substituted woke for anything that's a minority or a woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've never, I've never had a clear except, definition of it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, there is a definition. The DeSantis campaign, the DeSantis government has argued the definition in court because he has the Stop Woke Act. Oh, right. That's um, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh um, man. Oh man. Um, but the thing is, well, Trump has. Trump, I, I, I was watching some footage, and yes, you say that Trump basically has cut out the whole woke thing, but, but Trump also was a big uh, supporter of anti-wokeism and said that very, very definitively over the course of the last year. Suddenly he's saying woke means nothing, and that defangs uh, DeSantis, you think? Really? Yes, because he has nothing. Like DeSantis well, he never had, he had nothing to begin with anyway, but neither does Trump right. for that matter. Okay. Well, but but Trump has the, I was president, I did all of these, um, I did all of these things that he can fall on. DeSantis is only, it's like, DeSantis can't do an interview without saying the woke mind virus or fighting the woke ideology or uh, with. Like without, yeah. Well, well, okay. Except for that one where, so Trump, where Trump, he, Trump negating or or removing the word woke means something to people who it means to people who basically are looking for another reason to go. Yeah, Donald, we love you, man. It doesn't mean anything to the rational. It doesn't mean anything to 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 people with half a brain. But within Republican politics, you're saying that should have a major impact. On, on DeSantis. Well, 
it should have an impact on those who aren't permanently online and brain poisoned, which is the entirety of Ron DeSantis's base because right, that's right, where right, 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 his right, existence right. comes from. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah. anyone who meets him in person just realizes he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> uh, it, it, it just is. Like, uh, apparently now they can't figure out how he pronounces his last name. Oh, yeah, I um, heard about this. I heard about this. This is this is this is fascinating. <laughs> but like uh, the other part of this is he's also being hurt by the same people who his base are, which is these rabid online lunatics who how, how does that they're work? going to they're going to be caused they're going to lose the Republican the general election this month. Um every time a store puts up a rainbow display they lose their shit like this is not an exaggeration they've been mad at target kohl's bud light um walmart i believe as well because they had a pride section um now it's there's two things to remember from this one they're not doing this because they hate christians or anything they do it because it's capitalism it's they, these people are way for them to uh to pay money because I know this really bothers them, but gay, trans people exist, and they yeah. buy things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the normal response is to lose your shit online and in these places. Or, and this is the thing that needs to be mentioned every single time they talk about these boycotts or whatever, the number of bomb threats and death threats that they're sending to these employees. Right. It is followed Every single one of these, it's they did it to the Boston Children's Hospital. I think they did it to the other one that Matt Walsh got mad at. They did it to Bud Light. They did it to Target. They'll do it to the next one every single time. Mm. It is there is they they get mad at something. It is followed by terrorism. This is what stochastic terror is. These people, they're also insane. Like. They, they're literally mad that there's a rainbow on a onesie because they think if you see a rainbow, apparently your kid is going to become trans. Like, <laughs> it's just the normal people don't give a shit, but they're just out of their minds. Um, the other Trump stuff is uh, apparently there's a recording of him, and they've had this for a while because um, I think it's from like a year ago yeah. of him saying to I don't even know who he was talking to. Um, somebody that he had taken plans for a potential attack on Iran, but he was aware enough of how important they were yeah. that yeah. he couldn't give, he couldn't show them to the person. Yeah. In but, other words, he, he knew it was a secret document. Yeah. Okay. okay. He knew it was a secret document. Uh-huh. So this seems like whenever they bring these charges, it'll be an open and shut case. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's the, it was the one it it is it is a it is evidence of intent. And as much as there was still uh, an open and shut case on the, 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 the sheer possession of this stuff, the notion that he kept raising my, you know, my 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 sleight of hand mental uh, Jedi declassification capabilities. This takes it all and throws it under the bus completely. There's nothing there anymore. It is an open and shut. So we're just waiting for um, we're waiting for Mr. Smith to go ahead and uh, and come to Washington, as it were, with this one. Yes. And speaking of open and shut, they're mad at the FBI as well, because according to them, the FBI isn't going to give them documents that will prove about the the uh, Joe Biden um pay-for-pay scandal that they're talking about, (laughs) except for the problems that any... Because there's two of them have seen it. Comer and Grassley have seen the documents. Yeah. So the problem with all of this is they... So they want the documents released to the public instead of just shown among the committees. And any time either of them is pressed on what's in the documents, they backtrack or they, they obfuscate. Because even they have said that there's nothing there. It's no. just they're, they're just making shit up. These these documents uh, have been reviewed. These documents were reviewed. Were part of the 
of the Trump Justice Department investigation into Hunter Biden. Nothing was there. This was found by Jeff Sessions. There was nothing there. This was found by Bill Barr. There was nothing there. It was found by anyone that Trump put out there to go ahead and to dig in. And so the only way that you have any value with these things, quite honestly, is to keep the notion that there's something in them out there. And you really don't want them even in the public well, the public won't read them. They'll, someone will hold it up and say, look, this says terrible things. And then if you read it, it says, well, no, it says nothing. But that's the whole point. There is nothing there. There, Nothing. Zero. Zip. Zilch. It would have been out a long, long, long time ago. And it's the same with the Hunter Biden laptop. They exactly. have those documents. Exactly. They have all of that stuff. But they won't even try to release it to their committees. No. That's why when they talk about their whistleblowers, they won't let their their whistleblowers, uh, the, the behind the closed doors stuff, they won't let that come out. It's because it's all bullshit. They, they got nothing. It is 100% Which, bullshit. And I think, I, I, I imagine, most rational Americans are getting wind of this. But the base obviously just needs red meat and bullshit. That's, that's what they eat. Because, and, and this way they... In this way, it just produces more grievance. It's a that that's that's the end product. Grievance. That's all they they've got. And this is about to be all they do until we get to the budget, because the debt ceiling stuff is over. Um, it just passed the Senate last night. Right. Um, let's be clear about this. The argument that it's not as bad as it could be should not be the winning argument that the Biden administration is happy about. This should not have happened, period, for a whole host of reasons. One being everyone saw this coming and they should have removed it um, in 2022. And all of the dissenters were like, oh, maybe we should have gotten rid of this before. Like, yeah, no shit. Um, but this bill does not. Nobody gets better for it. Nobody. But nobody is. But there's not like as much harm as they want. Yeah. First off. Yeah. The, I, I, uh, I, I think that's a fair assessment. That's a fair assessment. Nothing, nothing was nothing of uh, nothing of the legislation of the main legislation of the Biden administration. Nothing is given back on that. And there's no harm to Medicare or Medicaid. There's some other things right. that are touched. But, you know, basically. It's yeah. A, it's so a, yeah. the things in this are the military contractors stay fine. So I guess the Republican Party is OK with the wokeness in the military. Yeah. yeah which of they course, kept of course, saying that they would uh, deal with. Um, and as you know, we need an, an eight hundred. $60 trillion budget. Um, and also for the freeze, because it's everything was frozen at 1% increase, yep. doesn't apply to the military. Of course um, not. Never has. Never I mean, will. it also doesn't apply to, to vets stuff, so that's good. Um, we get the, the one-year freeze, and then we, we get work requirements on uh, TAF. And I think there's some on SNAP. But it's uh, for people who were are up to 54. So yeah. now this is also coinciding with no work requirements and an expansion to the homeless and veterans. Yeah. Now there's yeah. two things to this. The argument is, Oh, it's actually better because all of these other people are in it. The problem with that is that only works if you reach out to those people and you can get them this aid anyway. Exceptionally good point. Very good point. And two, the projection is that 250,000 people a month are going to lose their SNAP benefits because of this, mm. Mm. which mm. is just absurd. Because, like, think about who they're squeezing. Um, they're squeezing, if you're, like, 54 and you're on SNAP benefits, there's, you know, forcing you to get a job is probably not going to be the thing that changes the economy. It's just going to hurt people. Right. Like there's no savings here, and the the IRS cut. I think it was. I I don't even know how much it was because I, I saw somewhere between like one point nine and like ten ten billion dollars. It's going to inflate the deficit because the reason the IRS needs funding. And I want to be clear about some of this stuff. The IRS was incredibly successful this year in dealing with um, calls and backlogs and stuff because of this extra funding. Yeah. Um, yeah is because it's expensive to go after the wealthy and get that money back. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. amounts to about a trillion dollars a year in lost revenue. 
Um, and the other thing, and this is this is also important, is this Supreme Court ruling, the the one for the, uh, the environmental ruling, concrete. Yeah. No, well, the environmental ruling, of course, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the concrete ruling is oh, bad, oh, too. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, one, it's 8-1. Like, and the whole point of it is basically to destroy labor's ability to strike. Because part of the, the, part of the ingrained part of a strike is to be disruptive. Because the point is, we're more important than what you're arguing, that you don't have a business without us. And if you and we have to prove that by being disruptive, because you're not paying us or giving us enough uh, work or whatever it is for our labor, like that's why when certain industries strike, it is more disruptive because they're that important to the system. Um, and this this ruling basically gives corporations the ability to sue. If they there's damages to their their inventory because of a strike. What was the vote on that again, David? Eight one. Only Kentaji uh, Jackson uh, Brown. Um, I'm, I'm I'm I have to read that. I have to read that decision carefully to understand why what the logic was. I have to understand the legal reasoning uh, that would allow eight of the justices to come together on that. That's. That's I, I don't have an answer on that. I've got to, I've got to look at it more carefully. I've got to look at that. Carefully. Well, it's 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 really because we hate workers and young people, and the the hate the young people comes from the fact that the student debt uh, pause passed uh, the Senate yesterday or two days ago. Um, Biden's going to veto it, but like this pause has been helpful for students because they're able to pay back some of their loans or or make money elsewhere because. Most of the student debt, this is why the relief thing made sense, is held by the U.S. government. That's they right. They can just yeah. forgive it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, could, it it allows people to move on with their lives. And the, the argument that it's, oh, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, sorry, I muted myself. Uh, the argument, oh, it's somebody who has um, $100,000, maybe $100,000 a year, and their, you know, their student debts are like nothing because they got a uh, a gender studies degree. It's like, first off, like that's what education is about. Like, you shouldn't be forced to do a job. Like, you shouldn't force your education because of how profitable you are as society. You should have an education because it's what you want to learn about. And it's like the same thing. The the problem with this is these kids, they're, they're kids. Like, they don't know what they they want when they get into this debt. Like you shouldn't um, just force to be into a job because you don't know what you want to do when you're, you're that age. And maybe you you think you do, and then you don't like it. Like your your early twenties should be about you trying to figure out what the job you want to do without this fear of having to pay this massive burn. Because these people, a lot of times, these people are paying it into their like their their thirty their uh, late thirties and early forties. Absolutely, because of just how much money they have to take out and just yeah. how uh, ridiculous these interest rates are. And the fact that you can't get rid of it due to, to the bankruptcy. Thank you, Joe Biden. Like, it is just absurd. No, I, told, I, like, I could we, not agree with you more. I could not agree with you more on that. We should not be, like, this second half of the, the Biden administration has not been good. And we kind of expected it to not be good because, you know, their, their, their agenda was dead anyway. But, like, they, you know, they bailed out the Silicon Valley banks and now they're going after the students is not the way to try to build the coalition. Because you do need to push for things beyond Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, ex-Republican is bad. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel that the, what, what Biden demonstrated, and I made a point of this in the earlier part of the show, what Biden demonstrated in basically doing, getting a bipartisan solution to what arguably would have been the largest single problem uh, that his, that his uh, administration was facing, kind of took, for me, 
took the wind out of the sails of the craziest of the Republicans and Donald, running around saying we're going to have to default, it's the only way to get things done, and basically turned the whole thing into a large paper tiger, that this was nothing more than when push came to shove, the, the wise old man basically kicked butt on the dirty old man, and, and that really is the, story, the takeaway story on this. And I think a lot of, a lot of centrist America and a lot of independents are going to be walking away with that storyline also. At least I certainly hope they will. Um, yeah, I guess that's a nice way to spin it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I was doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> again, it's, it's not as bad as it could be. Should True. not it is not the it is the real yeah. argument here for a thing that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, like there should have been a, like to be clear, there should have been a budget negotiation, and they would have shut down the government for like three days or something, which they're going to do anyway. Because, um, God forbid, in twenty twenty four we end up with, um, basically the same thing like biden wins re-election they hold the senate but they they still don't have control of the house well in 2025 they're going right back at it the hostage is still there yeah uh david that's that's why they play the games and, and and that's why we do that's why we do these shows and uh and that's why i so appreciate your point of view on them um where else can people hear you by the way uh, at Twitter at Faces Ideas No. Okay. Uh, once again, I I thank you for your insight, and uh, I wish everybody a, a happy June and a uh, at least a debt ceiling uh, uh, panic uh, free start to the month. But there's plenty more where that came from. Uh, Donald will see to that, and uh, as I say. We watch it, we, we report it to you, we comment on it. Uh, that's why they play the games. And it's, it's part of what we are right now in America. And uh, we'll go on with it as long as we need to. And I'm looking forward to doing plenty more of it. Um, I wish all of you a lovely weekend as well. And I'd really like you to start it off uh, with maybe just a little more jazz.
been listening to Central F Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. The notion that the bomb throwers own the place has been literally blown up. The wisdom and knowledge of a man with more than 50 years of experience has shown us that progressivism, that compromise, is capable even in the most horrible, apparently, of situations. It's the dirty old man versus the wise old man.